Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. All right, let's go to 1 John chapter 2. And we'll see if we can get through more of 2 Timothy 3. Get back to where my notes are here. All right. So 1 John chapter 2. And uh, I'm going to just back up a little bit here and start reading in verse 12 because I want to remind you of what uh, John was saying by the Holy Spirit before he got into the spirit of Antichrist, just to help you with that too. So you can, one of the things when you talk about some of these issues like Antichrist, uh, what's commonly called end times, things like that, people can allow fear to come in. But how many know that the word of God does not minister fear? Okay, there's nothing within the Word of God that, that uh, has fear being given in that, okay? So, the Lord did not write down things in the Word that we might consider, our culture might consider negative, uh, you know, all of these type of things. They weren't written down to scare us, they were written down to prepare us, all right? We got to realize that in the midst of the church doing what it's supposed to, maturing spiritually, the manifestation of God's power and operation. In other words, the things that were delivered to us as operation, uh, the mode of operation in Mark chapter 16 and going into all the world, the gifts of the Spirit that we know about in 1 Corinthians 12, all of those things are wonderful, but at the same time, what other spirit is operating next to us? You're running side by side with the spirit of Antichrist. Now, if you don't see the spirit of Antichrist operating in the earth, you either don't want to or you just don't understand what, what that is. Okay, and we'll look at some of those things continue to tonight. Um, but I want to read back and just look at this and remind you we are in a place of victory. Okay, in Christ, you, you don't... It doesn't matter what stage we're in. You know, sometimes people think, well, are we at... The, the very end? I mean, is the rapture going to happen tomorrow? Or, you know, what does this look like? And how bad could it get? Well, according to the word, things around us could be pretty bad. But you know what? In the midst of that, it's wonderful because we have the victory that overcomes the world. Okay? And that is our faith in Christ. So we shouldn't... The, the, the things that we see, the things that are going on in the, in the earth during this time, and the things of the spirit of Antichrist, we should look at those things and go, oh, we're getting close. We're getting close. And we should look at those things and go, I got the victory in Christ. I have an anointing from the Holy One, and I know everything I need to know. It's, it's essential for your faith to work as it should for you to cooperate with the principles of faith. So, I'll put it to you like this. God is not going to come down to where you are and make you do what you're supposed to do. Now, a lot of times, especially in the circles that we're in, you, you can get a feeling of, or you can fall into the rut of, if I could just find the right person to lay hands on me, if I could just find the right prophetic word, then my life will all, you know, straighten out the way it's supposed to. But that is not the principle of the New Testament. The principle of the New Testament is that we discover who we are in Christ 
and we walk it out daily. That's the principle of the New Testament. So, the quicker you embrace the principle of obedience to the word and walking in line with that word, not being concerned about what's going on around you, the quicker I do that, the quicker we will grow. And really, I'm going to say this, the more peaceful our lives will be, even in the midst of chaos. It's interesting. You never can fully tell who will. Sometimes, you know, you think you can see, oh, this person's really going to go far with the Lord, and this person, not really. And it just ends up being the opposite. Why? Because it has to do with individual will. I choose whether I obey the Lord or not. How many know that the Lord will empower me to obey him, but he will not make me obey him? Okay, so the quicker we do that, and we've been saying this, you know, for three or four weeks now, it's the same, pretty much the same intro, which means the Lord's saying the same thing over and over, which is not uncommon. Repetition is, is good. And we'll see this here. So um, we'll see where John did it. We know that Peter did it. He said, it's not any big deal. I'll preach the same thing to you, you know, and we need that because of that how easily we forget. So verse 12 says this, I write to you little children because your sins are forgiven you for his namesake. I write to you fathers because you have known him who is from the beginning. So he's really encouraging uh, the church to uh, uh, in who they are in Christ and what they know. And he says this, I write to you young men because you have overcome the wicked one. I write to you little children because you have known the father. I have written to you fathers because you have known him who is from the beginning. I have written to you young men because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the wicked one. So he goes and he encourages the church here. Then in verse 15, he says, he, he gives him some instruction about not loving the world, not placing your love for in, in, in the world's ways and, and systems. He says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And what that means is it's not operating in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, and we talked about that, is not of the Father, but is of the world. But so, when you're reading this, you can't, when, when you're reading these uh, kind of, uh, I guess, uh, admonitions to stay away from things, you have to remember, you have to go back to the previous verses and go, I'm strong and I've overcome the wicked one. I know the Father. Do you see what I'm saying? You, you have to, re, he's, he's bouncing back and forth here. He's saying, look, you're going to have this in the earth, but remember who you are in the spirit. Because of these things going on in the earth, because of who you are in the spirit, you can overcome these things that are going on in the earth. Does that make sense? And so we have to look at it that way and not get bogged down with, oh my goodness, it's the Antichrist. We'll be surrounded on all sides. There'll be earthquakes and wars and rumors of wars and, uh, you know, lions and tigers and bears. Oh my, what are we going to do? For those that have seen The Wizard of Oz. The rest of you are, I'm sure, sanctified and have never seen that. Okay. <laughs> we, we don't, we, we cannot allow fear in is my point. You say, well, how can prosperity work in the midst of global uh, clampdowns on money or the, or, the, or the enemy trying to get one currency in operation? I know it'll be a miracle. Believe, I, I think faith people want to have victories with no fights. 
I love what Mike says. Mike has, he said that we've, we've talked about this before. After you slay one giant, there's another one waiting. And people say, well, I don't want it to be that way. Then go to heaven. You thought I was going to say something else. You, you unrenewed mind little. <laughs> no, no, you're all saved. Go to heaven. You'll have no more battles. But I want to get into heaven and the Lord go, look, it's your armor. I said, yes, sir, we used it. I want to still be kind of singed with smoke. You know, kind of walk in and you still got something on fire. You know what I mean? <laughs> kind of pat it off and, <laughs> you know. But, but in order for that to happen, I, I've got to have, once I beat one giant, I want to beat a bigger one. You know what I mean? And it's not a, it's not a, uh, it's not a weird ego thing. It's actually a new creation reality. Because you have a warrior within you. Whether you're male or female, it doesn't matter. You have a warrior. The lion of the tribe of Judah lives inside. You know, people read about David and they think he was an amazing soldier. And he was. And the mighty men with him were. But he was not more anointed than Jesus. In fact, I have my own personal theory on this. I believe that every anointed person under the old covenant was a, a, an anointing that rested or rests in Christ. I think it was a picture because it's all types and shadows. Now, I can't give you a chapter and verse for that, but I look at Samson and I go, man, and some of the things Jesus did under the anointing, and I know his was more spiritual, but it dealt with physical things. Now, there are times I wish we were anointed like Samson and we just picked up a random jawbone hanging out somewhere and just went at it. I mean, that would be nice, but that's just flesh. This, the Samson anointing on Jesus looked at the gathering and went, oh, all thousands are coming out of you now. So we need to understand we're anointed for this. We are mantled. We are drenched in ability to overcome in the midst of conflicting circumstances. You can win in every area that the Bible has given us a promise. It's always will we do it. And we live in one of the most distracted generations ever. I mean, you, there is so much to keep you busy for hours on end. And so we, we need to realize that. All right, verse 16, for all that is in the world, the lust of flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is what? They're passing away and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides for what? Forever. So even what we're facing, we can look at it and go, eh, this will pass. This too shall pass. Everything of the enemy shall pass. It will pass. 
uh, verse 18, little children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come, by which we know that it is the last hour. So we have a multiplicity and then we have a singular mentioned here. And I'm not going to go into that, but you can see there's two different uh, thoughts being portrayed there. Verse 19 says, they went out from us, but they were not of us. This actually means they went out from the church. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. Do you know why they, do you know why the spirit of Antichrist can't stay in a church? Can't handle the truth. Can't handle the truth. Do you know what roots the spirit of Antichrist out of a church? The truth. Eventually, the people will, will, can only put up a mask so long. And they're like, I got to get out of here. And they do. They escape. They run away. All right. Verse, uh, and last part of verse uh, 19 says this, but they went out that they might be made manifest that none of them were of us. Verse 20, but you have an anointing from the Holy One and you know all things. Now that's not saying you know everything there is to know in all the universe. That's saying you have an anointing from the Holy One to know everything you need to know. Does that make sense? Okay, so let's look at verse 21. Now watch this. What, look, look at what John says here in verse 21. He says, I have not written to you because you do not know the truth. So what does that mean? And then he says what? But because you know it and no lie is of the truth. John wrote to them about stuff that they already knew. Do you see that? In other words, what was John saying? John was saying, you already know what to do, and I'm just repeating to you again what you know you're supposed to do so you don't forget what you're supposed to do. Right? So sometimes people think, well, I went to church. I heard that message. <laughs> if, let, me, let me help you with something that has helped me through the years. You never want to have an attitude of, I already know that concerning the things of God. Now, do you need to be convinced that you know that you're born again? Yes. Do you need to be convinced in the truths that you know? Like you need to know that you know them, but you never need, need to, you never want to allow the thinking to enter into you. Well, I've studied that subject for 30 years. I pretty much know it. Because what happens is we end up in our thinking closing off a potential greater understanding than what we currently have. How many in here, you could stand to live in more freedom than you are right now? Gee, I wonder if we need to know something. So when we gain information and we bring it to ourselves, then it's the application of that information that makes the difference in our lives. And there's all sorts of sides to the battle of this, and it's constantly what we're dealing with. But we see here that John was writing to the church, and he said, look, Antichrist spirit is out there. There eventually will be an Antichrist period. The big, you know, I don't know if he's male, female, I don't know what he is. I don't know what it will be. By the time we're out of here, who knows what they're going to come up with? Okay? I mean... Yeah, I'm not going to go there. I could go there, but I'm not going to go there because I want to go here instead. My point is, is that when we look at these things in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 through 4, as we're looking at them, realize this, that in the midst of what I'm describing to you, we're wanting to protect ourselves and our families from these things. And we're also doing what? We're also realizing we have the victory over them. 
okay? We have the victory over these things. So I am not pro-bunker. You say, what do you mean? Well, unless an an atomic bomb or a nuclear weapon is actually launched, I'm not pro-bunker. I almost said bumper. I'm not pro-bunker. Okay, you say, what do you mean by that? I, we are not going to take up offerings, drill a hole in the side of one of these mountains out here and start a crew waiting for the return of Christ, expecting nuclear warfare at any time. It's not happening. End times were not meant to start cults. That wasn't the purpose of the teaching. Okay, That's, we're to go into what? All the world and preach the gospel. There's a, um, there's a feed I follow on Instagram called Voice of the Martyrs. How many ever heard of Voice of the Martyrs? And they post these different men and women that have been martyred, killed for their faith. And I read one today about a gentleman who was a Chinese gentleman who would minister to North Korea. He would minister to North Koreans. They'd come over. Well, he was, when they were coming over into China, he would feed them and, and give them clothes and preach the gospel to them. Well, he was put on the North Korean hit list, and guess what? Him and his wife got killed by hitmen. But what a great way to go. I mean, it sure beats knowing the gospel and you die on your couch eating potato chips. I mean, hello. What do you think? What kind of welcome is, 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 is waiting for someone in heaven who has given their whole life to the gospel? I think the martyrs are the highest ranking. You know what I mean by that? And so for me, I look at the, some of these things, and you know, there. Uh, um, this is something we have in our men's uh, Bible study book. In one of the chapters, he made this statement. He said, "There are some things that are more important than life itself." And when it comes to the things of the kingdom. Um, the, the testimony uh, that is shared with that statement is there was a gentleman whose house was on fire and his kid was in the house and he ran inside and, and, to get, and they both died in the house, in the fire. Why? Because that's more important than your own life, the life of someone else, right? The sacrifice. There's that, there's that inside of us, that spirit of, of true honor and victory, of true courage and bravery. That, that heart of a leader, that heart of one, the same heart that was hung on the cross, that hung on the cross and said, Father, forgive them. The one that will place themselves in front of harm's way instead of running. That's why old westerns are not true. You say, what do you mean? You ever notice that the minister in old westerns is always hiding in the church with the women and children? And it's a guy. That is not who I am. You're going to have to find somebody else to hide in here with you if you want, if you want to do. I'm going out. We're going. We're black coats. You know what I mean by that? We are the black coat regiment. Now, for those of you that don't know what that is, you go back and study your history. All right? You need to know. So we are those bold lions. And so in the face of what we've looked at, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 We've looked at uh, several characteristics, and I'm just going to review uh, a couple of these before we get into um, blasphemers. But we talked about being what a, uh, that the world and the spirit of Antichrist has to do with um, what, they, what it produces in the earth. One was lovers of money. 
How many know we agree, we believe that the Lord prospers us? But that's different than worshiping money, right? If, if we believe the Lord prospers us, we believe, like you look at the early church, and I've mentioned this before, but, and actually Doug Jones mentioned it when he was here. On, it was either Saturday or obviously either Saturday or Sunday, but I think it might have been Saturday night. But he talked about people selling what they had and giving it, right? Maybe that was Sunday morning with Ananias and Sapphira. But they sold, what does that mean? That means they knew that they were, they, they had a level of prosperity and they, they, they sold that because, and took the money, why? Because they saw the kingdom of God and the advancement of the gospel as more important than the security or the owning of that thing. Does that make sense? Now, if you read through Acts, I mean, they were selling properties, they were getting rid of stuff and, and giving it to the, why? For the purpose of the gospel, for the purpose of just enriching the ministers. No, no, that's not what it was for. The ministers can eat, are supposed to eat out of the substance of the church, but they're not to be, it's not a, it gets twisted sometimes. It really does. It just gets out of whack, okay? It, it gets weird, <laughs> actually sometimes, really weird. That wasn't, that wasn't the purpose. What was the purpose of the finance? The finance was given so that these ministers could go and preach the gospel. And some of them, it was, they were funded to go to places where even eventually they died. They ended up dying for the gospel. Now, that's a pretty big deal, right? And not everybody is called to that, but we know at times that does happen. So what were they not? They were not lovers of money right? They weren't, they weren't covetous. They couldn't have been covetous if they were giving to the kingdom work. So we saw, we looked at boasters. What are boasters? These are people who um, are empty pretenders, and they, it carries the idea of a wanderer. The word boastful refers to one who brags and boasts about their accomplishments, and in this boasting, they overpass the limits of truth, or they go past truth, and they stretch the facts to magnify themselves uh, in an attempt to impress others. That's what a boaster is. It, uh, Rick Renner said this, this word carries the idea of one who is so committed to their own self-promotion and personal agenda that they are willing to exaggerate, overstate the facts, stretch the truth. I mean, no, the, the truth doesn't stretch, it breaks. <laughs> you cannot stretch the truth. That's a lie, right? But this is, the, this is the idea here. To embellish a story and even lie if it will have a positive effect on their position or situation. Years ago, uh, I worked with a, uh, around a gentleman who was a, another painter, uh, and he would, he would, uh, he was a, he's a Christian or was a Christian, said he was, but he would talk like the world around the world and then talk like a Christian around Christians. Why? He's trying to make friends and present himself one way to the world, which you don't have to do. How many know you don't have to do that? If you have the favor of God on your life, do you need to try and earn someone's favor in that sense? No, you just need to function in character and God will move on your behalf. Amen? Amen. Okay, so that's, we know that. So, a boaster doesn't do that, though. A boaster goes, you know, I'm the most amazing thing since sliced bread. You know, I'm, a, I'm an amazing painter. Don't even bother with my kill and his painting company. I'm the best painter there ever was. You know, I'm the best that's ever been. 
you know, the devil went down to Georgia. You know. <laughs> Listen, you know, no, you, I don't need to do that. You don't need to do that. Why? You've got the favor of God on your life, and you function in integrity, and you're, an, you're a person who honors where honor is due. If there's somebody else that's good in the area of business that you're good in, and you know that they're Sometimes, I'm going to say this, I hate to say this, but it's true. I've worked with people and companies, I've actually gone with companies that weren't Christian because they functioned in more integrity than the Christians did. They're actually on time. Hello! Man, I want to go there. If you say you're going to be somewhere, be there on time. Don't be late. Don't be undisciplined in your life. Don't, don't, don't be consistently 10 minutes late to things. Don't do that. That just means you are unorganized and unprepared. And that's a bad witness. Amen. Go ahead and preach. Believe I will. Okay. But if you're going to be late all the time, don't tell people you come to church here. <laughs> I'm mostly joking. All right. Proud. It means appearing above others or haughty. It carries the idea of an unrestrained estimation of one's means or merits, despising others or even treating them with contempt. Listen, nobody's better than anybody else here. Well, I'm a this and I'm a that. Well, I hold this position. Well, the world may think you're something, but in God's eyes, the, the foot of the cross, the ground is all level there. So, so don't treat people because they're not in your financial status like they're less than you. And don't do this. Oh, I'm going to hit this side too because this is pride too. Don't, don't uh, like overly try and befriend people that have a bunch of money. Leave them alone. Listen, if your God is your source, people... Well, you can love people the way you're supposed to. You don't have to try and butter them up because they have a lot of money. Who cares if they have a lot of money? My God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Well, how will the Lord get it to me? Whichever way he chooses. My job is to be in faith. Amen. Amen. We don't, want, we don't want to function in pride that way. Well, I know this person, and I know they got this and that. Who cares? Your God owns the universe. You've got faith. Believe your God. He'll make a way for you. And don't paint people a sob story. You know, I'm not meaning to get off on all this, but it happens in the church. You know, I have had people through the years, nobody here, thank God, but through the years of ministry, years past, I've had people come up to me and, you know, you share something about something God did or maybe you gave something or maybe they hear about somebody else who could potentially have money and they're trying to fish for information about that person. Like they're going to look to buddy up to that person in order to what? So that person's your source. God isn't your source. That's a bad idea. Okay. What else? Uh, did we look at, were those the three we've looked at so far? No, that can't be right. Is that all of them? Well, praise the Lord. All right, let's go to the next one. Blasphemers. You're right, that was the last one. 
I'm glad you guys know where we're at. All right, blasphemers. Blasphemers means speaking evil, slanderous, and reproachful. It means railing and abusive. Now, Doug Jones hit this this weekend. Thankfully, I don't have to break into it because he already did it for me. All right? Now, how many know there's no condemnation, but there is conviction? All right? All right, ready? You really want the definition of blasphemers, right? All right, so it means speaking evil. It means slanderous and reproachful. It means railing and abusive, but it carries more meaning than that. This word means to accuse, to speak against, or to speak derogatory words for the purpose of injuring or harming another's reputation. Yeah, I've done this before with other ministers, and I, you get in trouble quick with the Lord. Because whose ministers are the, Lord, are the Lord's ministers? They're the Lord's. Do you know he cares about that? You know, it's like this. Have you ever met uh, maybe a, a, a husband and wife situation, and maybe the husband's not treating the wife right, but they're both saved? Who's, whose daughter is? It's the Lord's daughter. You want to pay attention. Amen? You got to be careful with that. Amen. All right, because the Lord, he loves his kids. All right. So you're looking to injure. So it signifies also profane, foul, or unclean language. It can refer to blaspheming the divine, but the broader meaning includes any type of debasing, derogatory, insulting, nasty, shameful, ugly speech, or behavior intended to humiliate someone so any of those areas that's a pretty broad word right so it must also be noted that the word was used in ancient literature to depict those who used foul language including what are called curse words as a regular part of their conversation but it can it can depict blasphemous behavior in general a point that is important for not, uh, for not all blasphemy is spoken. It's not all spoken. It can be a lifestyle. Does that make sense? You're living a way that you, you know is counter to the written word. Some demonstrations of this word are behavioral or in graphic form, yet they are nonetheless blasphemous. The word depicts people who will go unhinged in the closing days of the age in their use of debasing, derogatory, insulting, nasty, shameful, ugly speech or behavior to humiliate others. Because this word blasphemo, that's the Greek, is used in its plural form, it signifies widespread blasphemy in the last of the last days. Blasphemy is not limited to language. It also includes behavior. Without making a long list of immoral behaviors, let me simply state that, we were, that what was once immoral, that is behaviors and lifestyles not condoned by the Bible, is now paraded before us in television, social media, Hollywood, the press, and the courts. What God judged Sodom and Gomorrah for is now brazenly applauded and celebrated by eminent professors, celebrities, educators, media, and the courts, and is being prop propagandized to a younger generation. This falls into the category of blasphemers. 
So why is that a big deal for parents? What do you let your kids listen to? Because uh, not all, but there are a lot of secular artists that are absolute demon worshipers. They are devil worshipers. They dress up as the devil in their video. And you need to be aware of that. Why? That is blasphemous. Okay? Now people say, well, we're supposed to love them. Yeah, but loving them is not accepting what they do. Well, we're supposed to accept them. What do you mean by that? Actually, we're supposed to call them to repentance. Well, I can't tell my friends that what they're doing is wrong. Then you don't love them. That would be like me going, okay, okay, kids, you can do whatever you want, whenever you want, because I love you. The scripture says I hate my child if I do that. I don't love them. So they can't, you know, we, we can't just allow these things to just flood us, right? So even with social media, how many have something social media, right, on some level? And I know the teenagers do, and I'm going to get you. I'm going to get after you. Because I, I, I know what's on the social media stuff, because I have it too, right? But how many realize you can sit on social media, and even if you're not really engaging, you can hear things or pass things that normally, in a normal setting, the normal work day, life, school day, you probably wouldn't hear or see. And so we need to be aware of that, because a lot of times what is being portrayed is what's considered blasphemous. It would be called blasphemy, what they're speaking, what they're saying. You don't want to sit and watch and absorb things. It's the spirit of the age. And people say, well, it doesn't affect me. You know, I have the anointing. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible does not say you can eat poison and say, it won't hurt me, it won't hurt me, it won't hurt me. Well, the Bible says if you drink any deadly thing. Yeah, the implication there is that you're poisoned and you don't know it. It's not, I can live in the world and still be okay with God in the sense of live in intimacy with him. No, the world's going to lead you into re rejecting your salvation. That's the nature of the world system, amen? And so we need to be aware of that. Blasphemy is an issue, and we need to be aware of it. And I'm just going to say this. I like the conservative talk show hosts, but I hate the way they use the F word. You know the whole Tucker Carlson thing? You know, people think, oh, you know, and he's standing up for righteousness. I get it, but he needs to, he needs to have his mouth washed out with soap. Amen. He needs to have an education. It is unacceptable. How is it godly to stand up and claim righteous things and then out of your mouth allow trash? It's not godliness. That's not godliness. That's not a good example. And I know that we, I know that uh, obviously people are at different stages, but listen, if you love them, you should say, hey, you need to clean up your speech. All right, let me help you with this, this way. Because some of you are still like, oh, if Sean knew what I said. Listen, I'm aware of what goes on and I rarely say anything ever because I know people's heart is they're after God especially in our group right here, right? You're, you're, you're wanting to grow, you're wanting to develop, right? I understand that, totally get it. But in your day-to-day -day life, step it up a notch. All right, let me ask you this. Can you imagine using that language if Jesus was walking right there with you?
right? Think there's a lot of curse words going on in the throne room right now? <laughs> I know, I understand it. I used to use them before I got a good vocabulary. I used to, because it's a part of the world system, right? It's the part, and if, you, if you've just come out from, the, from a, a world of using that all the time, it's going to be a little bit tougher for you to, to, to in other words, there's going to be some time for growth, but that should be on your list. You know, I don't, want to, I don't want to say or do anything that is counter to my Lord. Amen? All right. Let's get to disobedient to parents. And all the parents said amen. <laughs> Actually, this might surprise you a little bit how this kind of plays out. Disobedient to parents. This means, this is, uh, means to be unpersuadable. We're going to end here. It means to be unpersuadable. It means to uh, be uncompliant. It means unruly. It carries the idea, now listen closely, of not being put under. Not being put under. All right, so these are children who are no longer able to be persuaded, controlled, led, or to have authority exercised over them. It depicts a loss of control or a lack of ability to persuade, to lead, or to influence. So here what we have is another characteristic of the Antichrist spirit that's in operation in these last days. So going back to the previous uh, blasphemers, if, if I allow my kids to watch a lot of disrespect to dads, or to moms, or to elders, or to grandparents or to police, or to governing officials, or to ministers, or to... And if I allow those things out of my own mouth, and I show a disrespectful way, do you know you can actually... You're going to do yourself... Uh, we, I will put it like this. We will be more effective as believers if we articulate uh, sound truth with the fruit of the Spirit. Okay, so uh, how many have heard about uh, 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 the the uh, is it the representative from Missoula who threw they all threw red gloves on the they've been yeah they've been uh, she's been or he has been ejected from the from the floor right yeah. trying to get back in. Do we want to act like that? But see, some Christians do. And that's a problem. Truth is not more powerful if I pitch a fit. Truth is powerful when someone is being stoned to death and they say, Lord, lay not this sin against their charge. Now that's powerful. That has an impact. There's an eternal spirit leading the expression through the body. And it's the Lord's spirit, amen? 
So why would, why would these characteristics be in children in the, in the last days or in this time? Because it's everywhere, right? So previously Paul wrote this, for men shall be lovers of themselves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, and now disobedient to parents. In the last day's society where situational ethics reign, fixed moral absolutes are thrown to the wind, and foul language and blasphemous behaviors become commonplace, there will also emerge an epidemic of children who are disobedient to parents. How many have seen some of the stuff that's going on in different parts of the world, not only the United States, where you have gangs of young kids running around randomly beating people up, running into stores and ripping the entire store off and then running out? Because the, the law enforcement will only prosecute uh, crimes that they have to reach a certain amount of money, so they know that, so they're going in and doing things. And then what, it, what are those kids doing? Where are their parents? If my kid did that, they would wish the police got a hold of them first. <laughs> Do you understand what I mean by that? What, what is the problem? Well, when you have love of self, love of money, and it's operating in the parents, guess what you get in the kids? Multiplied. If I'm selfish as a dad, if, I'm, if Heidi's selfish, if we're just, we don't even take time with our kids, we don't talk, we don't spend time with them, we're going to get into this. But the, the first part of, the, of verse, verse 3 in this has to do with, um, actually, I'm going to look at it real quick. Second Timothy, where's that in the Bible? There it is, I found it. Second Timothy chapter 3. The first word here in Second Timothy chapter 3 is unloving. Do you know what it actually is in the Greek? And I know I skipped unthankful. And some others there. In the Greek, it actually means without natural affection. And do you know what that verse actually has, is talking about? It's talking about the, the, the breakdown and the destruction of the family. Without natural affection actually means a lack of kindred love. And what, that, what they're implying is, is as all these things are progressing, the family unit, which is the foundation for the church for the gospel and for any nation will begin to be pulled apart. Come on, what did Hitler want? He wanted the what? The youth. It's the cipher of communism. It's the spirit of antichrist. And if you have adults who aren't acting like they should because they've given themselves over to the spirit of the world, if you have a church world that is so consumed with the things of this world, the things of this life, the creature comforts, the activities, who's raising your kids? Don't mistake a bunch of activities with your family as actually having a walk with your kids and discipling them in the Lord. There, and I'm not going to get into that right now because I want to save it. It's so good. <laughs> and I got to finish disobedient to parents because all the kids want me to. <laughs> 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 
When people reject the truth and give themselves to antichrist influence or a lie, it has an effect on everyone and everything around them. Parents who have rejected God's truth will instill the rebellion in them, in their kids. So the rebellion that is in the parent will now pass on to the kid. It will be trained behavior. This is how generational destruction is passed on from one generation to another unless there is repentance. Thank God. Amen. Amen. Now, we don't have to be afraid of these things. Why? We have an anointing from the Holy One. And if you say, well, we've done too much of this stuff, there's always hope in the Lord to fix stuff. Amen. Just as generational destruction can be passed on, so can generational blessing. The glory of Christ is designed to be instilled from generation to generation. You can read that in Ephesians 3, verse 14 through 21. As believing parents, we must walk in and instill truth in our kids. Christian parents must not abandon their godly responsibility. You've got to realize this. Laws are now being passed around the world and in the United States that assist in this rebellion. In Washington state, there is a bill that is on the governor's desk, it might have been signed by now, that further removes parental rights and gives control of the children to the government. All of this is done through deception of the enemy and the rejection of God's word by humanity. In the name of tolerance and love, the spirit of Antichrist leads humanity down a path with blindfolds on their eyes. Deception through ignorance is one thing, but deception through rejection of truth is another. It is one thing if a person does not know the truth, but it is another if they hear it and refuse to yield to the conviction of the Holy Spirit. A Fox News story that was uh, recently done by Dan Springer uh, says this, while much of Europe and several states in the U.S. are barring young people from transgender medical procedures, two states in the Pacific Northwest are moving rapidly in the other direction. Oregon and Washington State are passing laws giving teenagers as young as 15 years old access to gender-affirming care, such as puberty, puberty blockers, blockers cross-sex hormones, and life-altering uh, surgeries, even without parental consent. They're going to weaponize agencies of the state throughout the state from the school to the foster care system to the police to enforce this ideology on everyone, um, said Meg Kilganon of the Family Research Council. It is very frightening to contemplate. Of course, if you don't know the Lord, these things can be. In Washington State, Senate Bill 5599 passed along party lines, of course, and is now awaiting Democratic Governor Jay Inslee's signature. The bill's intent is to remove barriers to accessing temporary, licensed, sheltered accommodations for youth. The barrier removed was the requirement that the parents of a runaway minor be contacted. Now, when transgender teens arrive at a shelter seeking protected health services, which include gender-affirming care is what they call it, but that's... We know that's not it. Parents need not be made aware, even when there is not an accusation of child abuse or neglect. 15 years old. I have family and friends in Washington State. I want to ask them, do you know what you voted for? Because what they're voting for, they're empowering the people that promised them heaven, and those same people will jump right behind you and stab you right in the back. Why? They're demons. 
They're demons. They're, they're functioning in antichrist spirits. So as a parent, we must be sure to uh, uh, 